Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Good to be back with everybody today, and we're going to start off today's show with a little bit different format, a little bit different segment, um, something that we've been wanting to do for a while. Uh, we never really wanted to be a show that was kind of about news. Uh, we always wanted to focus on our guests and, and the interviews and, and helping people learn. But, you know, we thought every once in a while it would be good to have um, – you know, one topic that was in the news that was worth dissecting for just a couple of minutes, make sure people are aware of some of the big trends or some of the big news that's happening. So we're going to introduce this. Uh, we will come up with a, a good name for the segment um, as we go along. Um, right now, we're going to sort of just call it uh, Cloud Clips, Cloud News, something along those lines. Um, send in your ideas if you have some. But we're going to use this as kind of a, a reason, again, to to hit on maybe a big topic of the week, um, some big news of the week, maybe an announcement or something like that. Um, also gives us a chance to do some interesting things with, uh, with sponsors of the show as well, and they always help us, uh, you know, get the show out to you and, and make the show interesting. So with that, uh, today's Cloud Clip is going to be about the earnings announcements of both Amazon, uh, which obviously is inclusive of AWS, and also Microsoft, which is inclusive of Azure, which both of those topics are very near and dear to a lot of listeners' hearts and uh, interesting for people that listen to the show. So it was very interesting. Um, both uh, Amazon and Microsoft announced their earnings um, Microsoft uh, blew out their numbers, had a really, really good earnings quarter. Uh, Amazon slightly missed their earnings. Um, and you can read into that uh, what you want. I'm going to put some things in the show notes about that. I think as we dig into both the Azure and AWS portions of it, that gets to be a little more interesting for all of us. Um, the AWS numbers uh, continue to be up. Uh, they are up about 40 to 46 percent uh, year over year. Um, so we continue to see growth in that space. Uh, their operating margins were up at the highest levels they've been in in four years. So we're seeing growth in AWS. Uh, you know, it's a 22, $25 billion a year business, um, growing at 40 plus percent a year and over 30% margin. So it's a very, uh, it's, it's a growing business. It's a growing large business and it's a growing profitable business. Now the, the headline that came out of this was we did see some slowing of the growth of AWS, which, um, had some people surprised. Um, but I think we've seen as the number, uh, around AWS revenue has grown, uh, that number has slowed over time. It's just the, uh, kind of the, the nature of big numbers and the competitiveness that's going on in the marketplace. Um, in contrast, we saw, um, like I said, Microsoft growing. Uh, Microsoft grew quite a bit. Um, part of that, obviously, now is is them absorbing the acquisitions of things like LinkedIn. Uh, the GitHub acquisition finally closed this past week. Um, now, the difference is that Microsoft does not exactly break out their Azure numbers. Uh, they did claim that Azure grew about 76% um, year over year. Um, that is slightly less uh, growth that they had last quarter. We've Like, my, like AWS, we've seen the growth rate of Azure kind of gradually slowing down over the last few years. Now, again, that number is getting to be larger. Um, speculation, because the number is not exactly broken out, is that um, Azure is doing roughly $7 billion a year, uh, $7 billion a quarter. So, um, you know, if you go by that number, some of the speculative numbers, um, because it's not broken out, um, it does potentially make Azure's cloud business slightly bigger than AWS's business. So, um, you know, I think the takeaway from this is they're still growing businesses. Um, they're still growing at very rapid rates at very, you know, from a very large base. Um, 
you know, but I think we are seeing more and more competitiveness in the marketplace, whether it's between those two. Uh, most likely it's from kind of the big six, uh, from AWS, Azure, Google, uh, from IBM, Oracle, and Alibaba. All of those um, continuing to be very aggressive about how they leverage their businesses, how they go after customers. Um, and, uh, you know, so I think we're going to see more and more competitiveness for them. I think we will see growth from them. Um, and I think we will likely see, you know, in some cases, growth rates slowing down for for the biggest ones as, as competition grows more and more. And that's not unusual for highly competitive markets and, uh, you know, people that companies that need to continue to you know grow and differentiate their product market. So wanted to kind of highlight that just for folks um, real quickly. Something to kind of keep in mind as you're watching the public clouds. We always talk about it periodically, but we don't always dig into it enough. So um, hope you enjoyed this short uh, kind of cloud take, um, cloud uh, snippet news uh, segment. And this week's segment is brought to you by a new sponsor. So we're excited to have a new sponsor um, this week. This day's show is sponsored by Datadog. A lot of you know Datadog. Uh, Datadog is a cloud scale monitoring and analytics platform, uh, SaaS-based offering that's going to help you uh, monitor everything in your environment. It was built to bring clarity to complex dynamic applications, whether they're in the cloud, whether they're on-premises, in containers, wherever they run, right? They manage and monitor uh, all of the the sort of applications and technology that you really like today, containers, Kubernetes. Um, They provide powerful dashboards. They give you seamless integration with more than 250 technologies. So you think about all the technologies that are out there in your environment today. Datadog can help you monitor them. Um, They provide distributed request tracing for new modern applications, and they provide deep end-to-end visibility into the health and performance of modern applications. So as you're trying to visualize key metrics, as you're trying to set alerts around uh, anomalies, you're trying to collaborate with your team to troubleshoot and fix issues, Datadog is going to be there to help you. And if you'd like to follow along, we will provide a sh- uh, link in the show notes. If you go ahead and set up your first Datadog dashboard um, and give it a trial for about 14 days, um, they will send you a great, one of the best t-shirts in the industry, soft, beautiful uh, purple t-shirt, uh, the Datadog logo on it. Great shirt for yourself, great shirt for your kids, great shirt for doing anything that you that you do, whether it's work or being out in the yard. So thank you to Datadog for being a sponsor this week. Uh, excited to have them on board with the show. And folks, with that, I'm going to hand this off to Aaron for our interview. Aaron's going to be interviewing Pam Selly, who is uh, one of the engineers from IO Pipes. And she was recently at the All Things Open conference here in Raleigh. Aaron had a chance to sit down with her and talk about what's going on in the serverless world. So on to Aaron. Okay, we're here at All Things Open 2018 in Raleigh, North Carolina with Pam. And I forgot, I, I, I made the cardinal mistake. I always like, hey, pronounce your last name so I don't oh, mess yes. it up. Oh, yes. You know, honestly, it doesn't offend <laughs> me, though, because people, you know, it just means they learn it by reading, but it's cell E. So Selly, okay. um, not Sell. <laughs> <laughs> so Pam Selly. Mm-hmm. And we, what we want to do is talk a little bit about a little bit of state of serverless, mm-hmm. but it being All Things Open, talk about your presentation that you just did as yeah. well, which was standing room only. I mean, I it was know. pretty, pretty crazy. So, so great. tell us real quick, uh, a little bit about yourself and, and we've had IO pipe on the yeah. podcast before specifically with Adam. So, yeah. so give everyone a little background. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I know Adam was on, on last year and, you know, so, so many big things have happened and and for, for us and for serverless in the last year. Um, so what I spoke about just, uh, just earlier is, Looking at kind of a just a I kind of did just a general fireside chat of sorts about the the state of serverless and what we what we've learned, uh, what you know 
kind of trying to, you know, this is a, a great crowd uh, and you've got all kinds of levels. So going all the way from, you know, there's people in the crowd who this is the first they're hearing of serverless and just kind of trying to check it out. And then there's people in the crowd who are maintainers of OpenWhisk. And so trying to, to talk about a little bit of something for everybody. Uh, so talking about what the, what the, you know, the dogma wars are and serverless, uh, <laughs> yes. where, where the big fights are. It's like, we aren't, we're really nice people. So we don't fight that hard. Uh, and you know, what the common, the very common, very, very common <laughs> mistakes are. Uh, and, uh, you know, what, what kinds of serverless workloads people run in production. Uh, so talking about all those kinds of things, just kind of very, you know, broad strokes of what's going on in the world of serverless. So, so let's, start with misconceptions mm-hmm. because even in like I was noticing in the abstract you you, you kind of had had phrased it of okay we went from this AWS Lambda thing however many years ago uh-huh. to where we are in this industry now and you mentioned like open OpenWisk maintainers and yeah and so what are some of the common misconceptions yeah. you see out there right now with I the think um, I mean I do think we're we're kind of hopefully on the long tail of people making the, well, there are still servers jokes. Um, <laughs> hopefully that's the long tail. I think that is a, it still remains a misconception of, uh, you know, at, like there's a buzzword and until people know what that means, uh, that, you know, it's serverless, uh, serverless compute specifically, is that, is that we have used the same word for a trend as we use for the compute platform. I think that that's a core misconception is that when we talk about serverless compute, uh, we're talking about, say, AWS Lambda, Google Cloud Functions. We're talking about going from, you know, from a VM to a container to a function sitting in storage. Uh, and when we talk about serverless as a trend, we're actually also talking about, say, farming out your auth to auth zero, uh, and you know, or using a, you know, a data store like Firebase or things like that, uh, or you know, using other ser- other cloud services. You know, the uh, it's a, a paradigm uh, as well as a compute platform. And so we use the same word to apply the both. And I think that that it can be very confusing. And and also, if I could add too, like you mentioned a lot of products there and a lot of people just associate serverless with Lambda. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and, and then you have serverless framework to boot, which I am a huge fan of serverless framework, but it does not help with the name game. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Absolutely. And, and well, that's, that's kind of goes to the next thing then. What are, what are some of the really big challenges? Mm-hmm. You know, once you get above and beyond the misconceptions, what are the big challenges facing the industry right now? Of course, any with serverless or any other kind of budding industry, you're going to have a certain amount of growing pains. Yeah. Right. But, but what so. are the, the challenges as it, you know, the dust kind of settles? Yeah. I mean, um, I, I always think, especially, you know, I love this about computing is that our problems tend to be common, uh, and not new. Uh, if you, you know, once you get, I'm very interested in computing history and how, you know, the industry has evolved over time. And so what I'm seeing is serverless is running to good old distributed systems problems. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so, uh, so that's what I'm excited about slash, you know, what I'm seeing people run into is that, uh, you know, cause serverless, you know, people get on it as a growth platform for good reason is that, you know, you have this platform that's theoretically going to flat scale for you. Um, and I mean, you know what a blessing to a development team um, so you can spend more time on your application logic and you know your business logic rather than on operations um, and just kind of shove that to the side while you're building your business like what a way to you know power your business and so people are doing that and then they're getting into you know serverless at scale 
And then, you know, it's that um, that software at scale problem where suddenly 1% of your workload is, uh, oh, wait, that's actually a few thousand people um, <laughs> once you get to that kind of scale. And so that's, you know, I having worked in some large scale distributed systems in the past, like seeing more people running into this as they as they grow, which is great for them. Um, but it's like I think it's like the positive is that these aren't new problems. The downside is that these are not solved problems. Um, and so that's why this is, you know, it continues to be a challenge in in serverless compute and distributed systems in general. Yeah, fair enough. And and you've been at IOPipe a little over two years? Yeah, two and a half. I was a first hire actually. Ah, yeah. Okay. So yeah. so then So we built it from the ground. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, so tell us a little bit about that journey specifically. Yeah. You know, what are the challenges you personally have faced trying yeah. to build a business? Yeah, I mean we uh, you know, it's and especially supporting our customers and I yeah, I find it so interesting. So we get to support people we we build serverless ourselves and then we support people building serverless and seeing them as they grow, uh supporting them as they grow, uh so that, you know, so they can continue to run in production uh, at the at the scale and reliability that they need to, uh, and so, you know, it's. I'm trying to think of. I'm like, do I have a concrete story of a good one? It's like I always think of like, what's the last production incident? Uh, <laughs> great, great. Um, right. When's the, when's the last time? It's like my my last production incident was. Um, uh, I was it was once I was talking to my uh, one of my my colleague the my my wonderful colleague who's the one who gets paged uh, and then calls me later <laughs> if you know if he needs help um, but uh, it comes down to uh, you know I think it's it's such a wonderful reminder and I think that's why we're 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 such big fans of dog fooding and that um, you know running service workloads ourselves and seeing that you know, I ran to an issue, like luckily not customer facing, but like a, a, a system started misbehaving and it kind of had a clock on it where, you know, you, you know, you get the alarm and you're like, okay, this is, it was one of those alarms where you got to do something or you're going to have a bad time in about 24 hours. <laughs> right. <laughs> You've been there, right? Yep. Um, <laughs> so you, you set the alarm and then you kind of have a clock to figure it out. Uh, and so, so I'm investigating and I'm using all the, all this, you know, all the tools I have at my disposal and I'm just like, wow. Like, you know, with like it's the we've talked about, uh, you know, internally, um, we talk about finding the the needle in the invocation haystack. And it's the you, you know, you don't uh, outside of serverless. I don't think you have this like this discrete close up view of what every single request on your system looks like that we do in serverless. And so using tooling to uh, to identify, you know, what the, what information can I get out of, you know, and filter down from, you know, like we had on this particular service, it had in a 15 minute rolling window, it had maybe like a million and a half invocations. Um, so, uh, so like a, a pretty decent workload. Uh, and so filtering that noise down into something that actually gives me information about what's wrong in the system sure. so that I, you know, doing application development can go in and, and that's, I mean, that's honestly, that's the thing of like lessons of, you know, these are the same things that our customers deal with is that, our, um, you know, not to, it's like just such a, you know, not to be too, too much, <laughs> but, um, but that we, you know, it comes down to the application developer and that's the serverless world is that, you know, it's, it comes down to code because you've, you've abstracted away so much else, uh, that it comes down to saying, oh my gosh, there was a bug in 
and it literally, you know, it's a one line change that fixes the thing. You know, it took some, some observability work and, you know, like making sure I could get more information out of the system to figure out where it was. But, uh, you know, it ends up being, it ends up being code at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's where your bugs are. And I feel like that's, you know, that's definitely a serverless story, uh, compared to, I mean, luckily it's like compared to other distributed system stories where, um, you know, tuning the Linux network settings, uh, you know, while very interesting, um, that was a rough two weeks. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> right. Exactly. And whereas like this production incident is like, oh, it took me like, it was intense, but it took a couple hours. It's not that bad. Yep. So, uh, so two, two trains of, of thought real quick. So, um, were you, did you watch the new Battlestar Galactica? Oh, I love Battlestar Galactica. So oh my just, gosh, where are you going with this? You just reminded me of 33, the episode where it was like every 33 hours they set the clock. Oh my the gosh, were yes. Like you just reminded me, like uh, it was one of my favorite yes. episodes and you just it completely is. reminded me of 33. So, yes. Sorry for everyone out there. That was a very No, inside. no. And, oh. and, and the beauty is like, uh, I don't know if you've ever, um, you know, we've, we've had a couple of times where we've had memory leaks in serverless mm. and one of the ways to save your, save yourself during a memory leak is forcing a cold start. Yep. Because you can reset the memory, right? Uh, right. <laughs> so it's uh, so it's a way to you know continue to reset the clock. So so what are some of the um, kind of emerging tools, frameworks? You know, what languages primarily are you seeing? Yeah, in folks that are implementing serverless, like what are some of the trends? Oh, definitely. I mean, there's definitely some some very fresh stuff. Like the stuff that I'm most interested in looking at right now. I'm very interested in learning more about Knative. Um, so that's, uh, coming out of the Google team. Um, I'm honestly not very schooled on it. I've been starting to watch talks on it. Um, so that's something that I, I think is very worth checking out. Um, I'm really into, uh, you know, I, my background is, um, more JavaScript. And so I tend to write Node.js systems. Um, but we are deploying a bit more Golang now, uh, because especially, you know, if you have a latency sensitive system and you need to care about cold starts, I think people do care too much, which is, you know, when a container is warmed up. Um, the first time a code is loaded into a container is called a cold start just for anyone uh, to make sure they have the background. But the, uh, you know, running Golang, uh, you're running a compiled system so that, say, one of the costs of running, say, Node.js is, you know, it's a, it's a very fast runtime, um, but... Uh, unpacking the the known modules folder and loading in the libraries ends up having a, a decent cost and that running something like golang that where it's going to compile your dependencies and dump anything that's not worth it so it's going to you know shrink your package size so it'll you know have a faster cold start and run just fast and that's i mean that's i mean you know the the unit of compute on lambda is in time time and compute and so fast matters yep um, and you know, that's something I, I love about the platform and I find it very interesting. And so it, we know we're, we're actually caring about more performant code and it's, it's a needle that you can really, really see. Yeah. And what is your thoughts on the other, you know, like Azure functions, Google mm -hmm. functions, open whisk, like what about the other players in the environment that aren't Lambda. How much yeah. are you playing with them? How much are your customers playing with them? What kind of adoption are you seeing? Yeah, we're, I mean, they're, they're definitely growing. Um, and I think they will continue, especially, you know, I mean, there's an honest and true industry thing where a lot of people can't run on AWS because they can't run on Amazon. Um, you know, I um, was talking to a grocery store. Uh, they can't run on AWS because of when Amazon bought Whole Foods. Sure. 
like it's literally a competitive thing and it's not it's not personal and um so while while at, at io pipe we are aws only we're a devops partner um and so we focus on the aws platform um definitely seeing more people being interested in other clouds and we we you know we're, we're all friends um you know it's more that aws has the major market share so that's what we focus on uh, at io pipe but in general we are trying to to keep an eye on everybody else i actually really love um something i do like about Azure Functions has come a long way, and I do think that they—they're probably, I think they might be one of the more undervalued players in the space um, because they—that team has been putting in a lot of work, uh, and I—I I especially liked um, it. Almost, I saw a great talk they were at. Uh, we were uh, the IOPipe team went to Serverless Days Seattle. So there's uh, there's these. Um, for, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with DevOps Days. There's now these Serverless Days conference. So people are organizing these community run, uh, community organized conferences. So we were at the uh, Seattle one, and Azure was talking about. I think uh, I forget the name, but it's like they don't call in AWS land is called the dead letter queue, but I loved that in Azure they called it like the poison queue. <laughs> it's just like the name. I was like, sure. ooh, interesting. Yeah, right. And in Azure, one of the things they do is it's automatically set up. And I feel like that's one of those things that, you know, a lot of people come to service and they have these questions of like, what is the right way to do things? And kind of the you know, I think it's a weird question because one of the things is kind of the point is supposed to be this should be a plug and play system. Like why that the pro, you having that question is a problem. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And so Azure comes, you know, comes with that, you know, their their poison thing. It's like <laughs> I'll find out, I'll look it up later. But they, you know, that comes automatically configured because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, right. and I, I love that they do that and they're thinking about the developer experience. So I think that they'll, they're definitely coming along. And, and I would add to, I mean, full disclosure, uh, they, they had the Cloudcast out. So we were out about a year ago mm-hmm. um, out to their headquarters and oh, you nice. know, got the latest tech and yeah. it was a cool preview. And then. Uh, Gosh, I mean, and even a year, me. a lot has changed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and they, you know, it feels like forever ago. And then we went to uh, Serverless Conference in Austin, and, yeah. and they did a bunch of talks there. And yeah. the big thing for me with them was was the amount of interactions to all the different services. It was just so plug and play. Yeah. Like, they were yeah. very ecosystem friendly. I felt mm-hmm. like it was a big takeaway for me. So, uh, last question. What, mm-hmm. your, your talk today, any additional insights, anything that kind of came up today that was, you know, with a, with a crowd that big? Yeah, I <laughs> Anything know. surprising? Um, a lot anything? of great questions. I'm um, like, you know, one of the things that I, you know, it's like I am definitely, oh, I was like, yeah, I definitely got to make sure I put this in. But mentioning, you know, I, I mentioned about uh, run t- like loading into the runtime. And that was one of the questions uh, because I, you know, and I, I thought I was, I said to myself, wow, I really should, <laughs> I need to put that in the main content because it really is, uh, you know, we have a, we do have an, an IO pipe article out. Um, my colleague Stephanie wrote it about optimizing Java lambdas. And it's really interesting. And I mean, while, you know, specific to the Java ecosystem, it really, you know, she really honed down to the, the thing is, and especially for Java, you know, you're bringing these libraries that are not meant to run, you know, they aren't meant for a platform that cares about how big they are. They can be giant. And so in Java, uh, talking about optimizing your Java lambdas and looking at that package size and just how, like, just the dent the size of the dent that you make by dropping a dependency and saying, you know, we, 
for our systems, we, I read a lot of source code. Like we read a lot of source code and say, does this actually have the things that we need? Because every dependency that we're pulling in is going to impact our package size, which that can be a real bad time when you run into that limit. That's, you know, that's just a hard and fast limit on these platforms is if your application package size and, you know, forbid that you get in a space where you need to add it and you can't. Sure. Um, and that's, you're going to have a bad time. Um, and so I think dependencies are, were one of the ones that, that was something that came up in questions that I think was very important and should be mentioned. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. So Pam, where can everyone else, uh, follow you, learn more about the talk, learn more about IO pipe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So yeah, if people are interested, uh, I'm, you know, probably easiest to find me on Twitter. My handle is Pamasaur, like a dinosaur. So a uh, S-A-U-R at the end. Uh, and on Twitter, IOPipe is IOPipes. So with an S on there, uh, IOPipe.com. Uh, I'll be on the, uh, I, I'm on the latest episode of the serverless talk podcast. So that uh, podcast is just getting spun off for people who are interested in a serverless podcast. Uh, and yeah, just definitely yeah, chat with me on the internet. Fantastic. Pam, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 